the uh, Jewish morality. And, uh, and the thing is... And they're as uh, useful as a cheese roll. <laughs> now, this is the reason why they cast Michael and not one of us three. Because I'll... Exactly. Do the accent. <clears throat> yes. We'll leave that there. Okay. <laughs> 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 Hello and welcome to a podcast of spurious morality. I'm Johnston and this week I am joined by Jay. Hello. And Tom. Hello. And we are looking at our favourite Big Finish releases from July and it's been an incredibly strong month. We've, mm-hmm. I think we've all been kind of looking forward to recording this one because we've just got yep. lots of very, very positive, nice things to say. Um... Yeah, it's been an absolutely cracking month, I think. I've really enjoyed my listening this month. Uh, Jay, what would you say your favourite release has been? Oh, it, it, it is so it's so difficult to pick one. Because before last week, it would have been Seabird 1, the new unit set with Bambera. But I have to say that Classic Doctor's New Monsters has drop-kicked it off the podium. And that's my favourite release of the month. And I'll go into why later in the podcast... Marvellous stuff. And what about you, Tom? I think it's going to be Beyond War Games. Surprise! Like I wasn't expecting for this to be my favourite, but I just I really vibed with it. It was, um, yeah, it was a really enjoyable listening experience. Yeah, uh, again, it's hard to pick, but I think I would probably have to go with Seabird One. But everything's been so good; it's been great. Um, it's interesting that we've all got something different this month. Usually yeah, that's not kind always. Of... Usually, it's always the same as I was going to yeah. say, but now we've all got. Yeah. So before we proceed, let's just drop a bit of a spoiler warning. As I've said, we're talking about some very recent big finish releases. So anything that's come out in July is probably um, wrapped up in this spoiler warning this week. So... Including, but not limited to, Beyond War Games, uh, Unit Seabird One, Torchwood. Restricted Items Archive, and Classy Doctor's New Monsters Volume 3. Yeah, pretty much. Those. Um, So let's get started then. Let's talk about uh, the second Doctor, Beyond the War Games. Um, Tom, you said it was your favourite, so I'll let you go first. Tell us about it. Oh, um, yeah, it was just... Obviously, it's... um, it's really exciting to have um, full cast Second Doctor Adventures because this is the first proper um, attempt at that. Obviously, we've had the early adventures, which is a mixture, and then we've had the, you know some companion chronicles, which sort of fit the bill. But this this is the Big Finish's first real foray into um, the full cast Second Doctor Adventures, and yeah, it does just feel really um, novel and exciting. I think, and, and I think that's what uh, eventually. Um, made me get such a buzz about it. Um, it's you got two stories. You've got the final beginning, which is a, sort of this uh, pilot, I guess, for this whole new era of Second Doctor Adventures. I think that's a really strong, solid opener. Um, it's got a different format of four 15-minute episodes. I really like that. I think it really helped with the pace of the episode, and I think it helped with the reintroduction. Um, I love the concept of this uh, sort of 2.5 Doctor. You know, I think it's a really... I know Season 6B is always sort of like that, the Doctor's been plucked out, but the way that they frame this, I think it does make it feel just slightly different and just that extra bit uh, special. I love the, the setting up of the relationship with Raven, you know, the uh, the dynamic between the second Doctor and Raven. I think that's quite interesting. And obviously it's also it's a sequel to Evil of the Daleks, which again, it's... Um... Yeah, there's just a lot to like. And then the second story, 
and the set again it's I am not a massive fan of the Ice Warriors but as I was listening to it I was just so I guess bemused that I was enjoying it so much I was having an absolute blast with it I mean Katie Manning was excellent as the Ice Queen I really loved Mike Elstob as the uh, Mark Elstob as the uh, the Ice uh, Warrior uh, that he was playing um it felt, it felt, it did feel surprisingly fresh in certain elements. There was like little twinges of freshness, but it also felt like this could have easily been season seven with Patrick Trown. And I think that's sort of the vibe that we're going for. Something a bit, some, something that felt that it didn't fit, you know, it felt a bit odd, but yeah, it still, it had elements of what that a series, an extra series with Patrick Trown could have been. Um, I just think it was, a really well executed idea i think it's um yeah it certainly it knows exactly what it's aiming to be and i think it nails it spot on and it was yeah it's just it's a really solid set i really enjoyed it uh yep i'd have to completely agree with you um one thing that i especially want to talk about with this release is the cast uh because michael troughton as the second Doctor, you know, playing his dad's role. Phenomenal. Absolutely mind-blowingly brilliant. And I, I make no secret of the fact that Patrick Troughton is my favourite Doctor, the second Doctor is my favourite Doctor. And oh, I, I still know. can't quite believe that we've got these full-cast second Doctor adventures with a Troughton in the role. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, big love to Fraser. I think he did, uh, you know, he's obviously he's did a lot in the role and uh, you know so big props to him you know no uh, disrespect absolutely and I'm looking Michael forward to I'm looking forward to Jamie just... being back yeah yeah exactly with um, the second that, doctor which we know is going pretty to pretty much happen. hard to confirm Jeff for next uh, year that's what next year's release is going to be so that's going to be cool but I, I yeah just having Michael Trout in the role it just feels so special and if and he just just it just feels like the second doctor but I do, I do think framing it as the two point five Doctor does help the release a bit. I, th- I think it sort of, you you do sort of imagine that it's a bit. I do sort of imagine Michael Troughton in the role in a in a way, but yet it's still the second Doctor character down to a T, and it's yeah. just that's what makes it such a great recast of the role, where it can um, it's sort of pushing a new direction and incorporating the past. Absolutely, and also shout out. Uh for Emma Noakes as Raven, who is this sort of mm. brilliantly sinister, silky esque figure. Yes, but obviously very, very sinister. And we've had more than subtle hints that there's a real agenda going on, that there's a real storyline going on here. And she's obviously the keystone of that. So I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more from that character. Uh, Jay, your thoughts on the Second Doctor Adventures? Oh, I really, really, really loved Michael Troughton in The Annihilators, which is one of my favourite releases of the year so far. And I was ecstatic when I, when it was announced that he was going to have his own full cast audio range because I've wanted, same with like, like proper Hartnell stories, full cast Hartnell audio dramas with like an, in, in quotations, impressionist. Um, and I think they're on a roll this year. We've had the first Doctor Adventures, the Outlaws, and now we've got Beyond Wargame. Two really good stories. I won't talk about the first story as much because it was a bit, it was just set up really, in my opinion. But I still really enjoyed it. But I think the creme de la creme of the box set is definitely the Ice Warrior story. My God. And I have to admit, in recent months and years, I've had a bit of Ice Warrior fatigue, especially with their voices and everything. And it was so nice to have Mark Elsob and Katie Manning in to voice these two new Ice Warriors. It was so refreshing. I had such a blast of it. It was a proper 60s story, and it fitted the second Doctor perfectly, in my opinion. John Colshaw was great in it. I, I'm going to say hand and heart. I think it's his best performance as a brigadier so far. And Michael Troughton. I, I don't understand how some people are saying they can't hear Troughton, because he is so good. And I think what people have got to remember is they're doing the interpretation of the Doctor, not the actor, if that makes sense. And I think Michael just does a great job, and I could listen to him for hours. I was so blown away from by this box set. 
And I was a little bit concerned when it was announced because, oh, Daleks, ice worries. But I, I'm going to eat my hat because I was proved wrong. Andrew Smith has such a great way of making individual aliens of a species like have individuality. He did it with Arab the Cybermen, and I think he did it with his Dalek story, he did it with Colin, with his Dalek Supreme. And I, I, I've always liked Andrew Smith's writing, so and I was pleasantly surprised how much that this set went above and beyond my expectations. And I, I like TJ and you have said, I'm looking forward to where it's going with Raven. She's basically the Cardinal Alistra of 6B. And then obviously Jamie's going to start joining him next year. And that's exciting to see where this whole plot's going to go in this new era of Second Doctor audios. It's such so nice to have another Doctor in the rota that isn't a companion chronicle, for example. So, yeah, that's my little review of it. Good stuff. I, I do think that um, the way they've framed it as well as kind of this sort of alternative 2.5 Doctor, it kind of ups the... Uh, ups the ante a little bit, ups the jeopardy a bit, because we don't know what happens to this Doctor, and this Doctor, from a writing point of view, you know, is, I suppose, disposable. Um, it's the, There's an element of danger here. It's like normally when you go into Doctor Who, you think, oh, the Doctor's going to survive. They've not announced a regeneration. It'll be fine. Uh, but all of a sudden with this one, we have a version of the Doctor that absolutely anything can happen to. Yeah, exactly. And that's... Um, that, yeah. I mean, that's the part that's really captured my imagination for this set is that it's just the potential of where it could go with this whole new era. And there's not many times where Big Finish has the capacity to do that because of the nature of their release of slotting in. So I think, um, yeah, that's it's just so exciting. And obviously we don't know much yet, but I am, for a little while at least, going to headcanon that this is the second Doctor that regenerates into David Warner. Oh. Let's 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 play with that in headcanon, just for now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did want to circle back to what Jay said about Andrew Smith's uh, Ryan Giles Warriors. I think what makes this Ice Warriors story so... Um, strong is that it really does use the ice warriors moral ambiguity yeah um really well like like the whole twist like you you cannot tell who's um going to be like a goodie and a baddie sort of thing and it's sort of not even as simple as that in the end uh well i suppose it is a bit but i think it really justified using that use of the ice warriors because the audience needed that interpretation because otherwise the story would have just seemed really straightforward but because with ice warriors it can always go either way i think it then helped because like if it was just some generic monsters then we would have just thought oh yeah the ice queen's gonna be the bad guy but because it's the ice warriors the ice queen could have been misunderstood maybe it was going to be a you know the mark elstop size warrior was going to be bad so i think yeah all that um it it just justified the use of the returning monster, and I think that's. Mm. You know, and I think that's we're going to be saying that for as well for the classic yeah. Doctor's new monsters, which again. Yeah. I just want to circle back on what Tom said about. about the Ice Warriors quickly, especially with Katie's Ice Warrior. The way her voice changes when from before she's been found out to after she's found out been found out. That was such a great performance from Katie. I was blown away. It's probably my highlight of the set is Katie as the Ice Queen. So good. So yeah. sinister. And I really so hoped another one. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a it was a great performance and you know, we know that Katie's a I'd great like performer. I'd to do that more where they just cast one of the regulars in just a a, a guest role like have I don't know like have Matthew Waterhouse as a Cyberman or something like that, you know. I, I just think that actually be I mean, quite uh, in actually now that I think about it for a run. It was something <laughs> um, that they did relatively often in the yeah, early back days, in the, wasn't it? You know, and that was that was out of necessity. But so I suppose now that they've got a recast doctors, they don't feel the need to. But I think it would. I think I would quite like to see that. I think it 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 does show in this. And obviously, we've also got Tim Trellor in the first story playing a you know a random uh, guest character. I just think that's quite neat to have. Absolutely. Um, shall we move on to um, another fantastic release, uh, Seabird yep. 1, Brave New World? Finally. 
um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. It was mm-hmm. it was this sort of really good nineties, late nineties sort of thriller, um, I suppose. Uh, Jay, what did you think of it? I was so blown away. Huge pat on the back to Emily Cook, saving Grace Angel of this range. So good. I'm a big fan of Unit, but I have to say with the modern Unit series, I had I have sort of fallen out of love with it in regards to its originality, etc., etc. But when Bambera popped up in the second Nemesis set, I immediately thought to myself, she needs to have her own spin-off because she is so good. And lo and behold, a week later, so it pops up on my screen, Bambera's over their own spin-offs. There I go. I must be some sort of witch or something. But my God, the originality that oozed out of this box set, not to mention one of the most incredible theme tunes I've ever heard in my life. Oh my God, the it music was so slapped good. so hard. <laughs> it's just so nice to have a unit box that isn't oh oh dear Altons have shown up this week oh oh no look Ogrons if you know what I mean there's there's this little mini art where it's got a big arc that I'm really invested in and then there's doing unit things in the 90s so 90 and Bembera is such a badass she is so good and I, I honestly can't wait to delve into what else this Rangers offer and I'm not even I'm not I'm not not open to having returning foes coming now and then, but I don't want it to be like the main selling point of this range because Bambera herself is such a big selling point. She is so good and oh, I love it. I could talk about it all day because I, I, I went into it not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. Obviously, Tom and Johnson read my first reactions to it once I finished it. I was just blown away after listening to previous unit sets like I mentioned earlier and how my disappointment of it is but yeah I'm hoping it's going to be the reboot that the unit stuff needs really because I used to be oh I love original stuff like original monsters and stuff I'm like oh but now we're getting original stories and all these new ideas I'm like wow it's so good inject it into me but yeah very good can't wait for volume two well done to everyone involved because it was so good and I love this new team's dynamic. So, so They're so funny together. And I think that's what I've been missing. So yeah, that's enough for me rambling about how much I love Seabird. So over to whoever wants to talk about it now. I think you're absolutely right about sort of the team and the team dynamic and the fact that it's an original team as well. It would have been, I suppose, more than tempting to go, oh, let's bring Klein into it and maybe even bring back Will Arrowsmith. Although I think we're probably safe from that one. Um, mm. They've not dragged anything else into it. It's just Bambera. It is just the Bambera series. And Angela Bruce is so brilliant that quite, oh, right, God, yeah. quite right she should be carrying a series herself and doesn't need yeah. anything else to fall back on. Um, Tom, your thoughts? I, I wish I disliked it because then I could, you know, say like I only have one word to say about this shame, and you know it would have been hilarious. But I can't. I suppose I, it's a shame that you're not able to do that. Ah, see, see, you see that. See, that's why. That's why you're the host because you were uh, see puns and everything. Uh, you, you you set them up. I knock them down. Uh, but no, I love it. Um, it it. I think. I think the third episode is where the series really comes into its own. The third episode was just phenomenal in it uh the first two um it's a lot of setting up the tone of the series setting up the characters of the series um so they're a, a touch more on the basic side but then that is sort of it's playing into the genres of what this is this is being a 90 sort of procedural uh sort of long form drama you know it's like the x-files whereas and it really does capture that so well. It's it's observed that sort of genre so well. But then so after it's set up the characters and set up the the general format, you know, the Yeah, yeah, I guess the Monster of the Week format in the first episode. So then the third episode, it really starts hitting us with some character drama, some uh just yeah, just some really great drama and action and it's exciting and it's fun 
and it feels so 90s. It just is like, I, I literally could picture how this would have been shot in the 90s as a spin-off, like, from Battlefield. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just, they've, it's like, a, very much like Master in that sense, where it's just observed the genre uh, tropes of what it's mimicking, and it just does it in such a, a great way that it, yeah, you just can't help but find it endearing. Um, the music has to be mentioned it is astounding. Like, please get them to do mm-hmm. more, um, yeah, music for Big Finish because wow, I've like, I've, it's just so good. Like, obviously the intro is good, but as well, but the, the incidental as well. Like, there's a, there's a sort of, there's a sad, not a sad version of the theme, but it's sort of a bit of a downbeat version of the theme. You know that again, it's. Um, just so stereotypical of what you'd usually see in these sort of shows when mm, you're having a hard be like a slow piano motif, and it's just, it's just, it feels so good. Um, no, it's it, yeah, it's just, it's just really amazing. I love the, uh, obviously, got to mention Angela Bruce as Bambera. She is a force to be reckoned with. Mm. Um, well, I mean, she's great in Battlefield, but here it's just a whole new level. She's just. Astounding. more depth and dimension yeah I mean she might even like come to be one of my favourite Brigadier maybe it's like she's just that good like I don't know but I'm so excited to see her journey see where she goes on because obviously they're setting up a bit of a character arc for her um, also the behind the scenes was also like some of the funniest behind the scenes ever just Angela Bruce is she's just so funny um, I don't know just the whole set I was I was thinking I was a bit like Jay, where I wasn't sure uh, how I was going to react to it. But, um, yeah, overall, it's such a promising start, and it really does feel like it is going to go somewhere, Um, especially after that third episode. Like, it really does feel that it's set up such a strong run, and I hope it does go on for quite a long time. And whilst I'm really happy with how they've done it without having returning monsters, just focus on the unit and the second set looks to be the same, um, I would, be, I do think it would be quite neat if they followed up on Battlefield in maybe his later sets, and I think that wouldn't feel too um, fan servicey. I think it would fit in quite well to the theme, like bringing in, you know, her nine ex and stuff like that. I think that'd um, be quite a, a nice way to still add, I guess, a sales pitch element, but also be um, fulfilling to the story. And maybe you could even have. Some of the the Merlin stuff added something like that. Mm. Uh, I'd also uh, this will never happen, but I'd love to see it uh, eventually. Maybe do some tie-ins to the older uh, unit series from two thousand four. Um, maybe have like David Tennant or something as his like unit character because that's such a great uh, short series. That um, so it'd be quite nice to see some references and connections to that because this definitely feels much more in line with that series than it does with the unit the new series stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a really, again, just a really solid set. And uh, I'm just really excited to see where it's going. Yeah, and it, it, it very obviously is going somewhere, as you say. And it it ends on a nice sort of strong cliffhanger. Um, I can't wait for set number two, which isn't too far off, thankfully. No, yeah, December. December. Yes, Um and I've I've no doubt at all in my mind that it's just it's going to be as. I mean, well. Emily and Emily and Rob Valentine are like a really strong team. Like they're, they're definitely a safe hand. They are. Yeah. My God, what a godsend! And, and Emily's doing the new Rani Chandra range as well. Ooh. Which we do have to wait a little while for, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I thoroughly enjoyed Seabird One. I, it probably was my favourite release of the month. It, it's so hard to pick. It really is. Yeah. But um it's we've got a great set of characters, we've got a great scenario. It's set in a pretty unexplored sort of time period in the Hooniverse. Um yeah. I, yeah, I think there's an awful lot of potential. I think it could go a hell of a long way. I do like uh, the part of me oh, sorry, Eccleston to pop up. You want Eccleston to pop? <laughs> yeah, Eccleston with Bambera. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd have Eccleston in any, any, all the ranges if I could. <laughs> yeah. Now I was just saying I quite like that they're building up this sort of 90s uh, universe, you know, because the Master mm. sets with Vienna, they're all very 90s themed, and then you've got mm. 
this as well. So I'm, uh, I'm interested to see where they uh, they go next. With uh, same, absolutely. Hope we get ten on box sets of it. Same. I, I'm all for this being sort of a long-term series. Same. Absolutely. Because it is, it is that sort of X-Files procedural sort of vibe, isn't it? So I think... Yes, it, oh, it that's can, what I was thinking of. It, it reminds it, me of something, X-Files. I think Thank it you, definitely John. would suit that long-form run in the way that some other spin-offs might not. Like, this could run indefinitely. So hopefully it does. Fingers crossed, absolutely. Yeah, I'll have everything crossed. Um, so let's move on. Let's move on to Touchwood Restricted Items Archive Entries 31 to 49. Um, and I, I mean, every month I come on and go, Touchwood is the best range. You know, it's consistently amazing. I absolutely love it. And, um, but this I is th- the podcast where everything changes, John. <laughs> well, no, nothing's changing because I absolutely <laughs> loved this one. Uh, it was from, as far as I'm aware, a, a newcomer to the Hooniverse, Maddie Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was a really fun script. I thought it absolutely nailed the character Orianto. Um, and it, it sort of all tied together very cleverly. At first, I sort of started listening, going, is this it? Is it going anywhere? And then, Obviously, as we move on, you realise, yes, it absolutely is going somewhere and absolutely every word you've listened to is all tied together and uh, part of this story. It's not just Dianto randomly listing items and bitching about his workmates. Um, what were your thoughts on it, Tom? Yeah, it's um, it's sort of... It, well, I mean, I, I really loved it, you know, uh, just to get out right off the bat. Um because it, it it does feel unassuming that it is just Yantabitchin, but then you know this is a torture monthly range, so it's not going to be that. And I think it, that's how the play really works, because it's sort of, like, it's sort of a mystery in the sense that you're trying to find out which of these sort of Chekhov guns is actually going to fire. Like, because you, you know that one of these items, and probably only one, it doesn't be mainly one item that is the main thing, that is the... Uh, the thing of the the play um and the whole i guess listening experience is trying to figure out which one it's going to be um and so it's just yeah it's just really engaging that it's basically just uh Ianta just giving the listener a bunch of clues uh, about what's gonna be important and like so then he's going on about this haunted house and you're thinking is this going to be the important bit or is this going to be a coaster or is this just going to be completely irrelevant and that is just yeah, it's just such a uh, a great way to do a release like this because it that it could be you know it it could just come across as um, Ianto just listing off a bunch of things and then the ending happens, um, and I, I imagine for some listeners that probably is the experience because you know like if you don't cut caught onto that I can imagine it do it does come across a lot but once you have caught on that that's what this play is doing. Then it just becomes yeah, just a really engaging uh, listen. Like which of these plot devices is going to be the plot device? Um, but in general, I just think it had it really nailed the character of Anto, as you said. I quite like that the haunted house stuff. Um, you know, all the items about the haunted house, which was ultimately pretty irrelevant, but um, it sort of it's still tied into the main uh, idea that Anto's feeling left out and that he's he's not part of like this haunted monthly range adventure that doesn't exist he he just has to recount it that you know that he's been told about it but he wasn't actually involved in it instead he's just listing a bunch of random things um yeah i think it it really it was just a really well executed range and for a newcomer um yeah it's like what more can you ask for really it's a they knocked out the park Absolutely. Let's uh, let's hope we hear more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, the the Torchwood monthly range, by its very nature, does kind of allow for maybe a little bit more experimentation uh, with format and so on than we see in any other ranges. And this one is just Ianto making a tape for himself, just because he's sort of so finickety about stuff he feels as though he should just make a tape for himself to maybe listen to at some point um 
and yeah, that, that it, it was an awful lot of fun. And as I've said, it was a very witty script as well. It was sort of very believable Torchwood series. Was it? I mean, yeah. Are we assuming it's sort of mid series two before Rowan I, dies? I think, maybe. I I think it's. I think. I mean, to be fair, he says like two years, which has been a bit of a uh, for the for the timeline uh, sort of places is it so the reckoning heads but you know it's uh, it, it's around that sort of time i mean the thing is like the, the time timeline stuff for tosh doesn't really bother me because it's it's just so hard to pin down because it doesn't really make a uh, sense you know we're just in doctor in general it's just so hard to fit in uh, in when you're like i've been here two years but you know it's so uh, but yeah. um yeah, it's it's around that sort of time. I, I mean, I think it is really more meant to be set in series one, but it it, it can't really work in series one because of the the time frame um, of the piece. But you know, it is what it is. It, it works on its as its own uh, thing. Uh, it's it's all one timeline. Yes, indeed. Either way, um, but yeah, very very fun story. Very very good. Torchwood release. It may just be my favourite Torchwood of the year so far, and that is an incredibly high bar. Hmm. Um, so yeah, an awful lot of fun. I think it's only my second Torchwood of the year, but I have got I've got um, the next month's uh, release suckers because I think that's going to be a really uh, a deep one. I'm quite a, I don't know. I don't, I've just got a feeling it's going to be quite good, but we'll uh, we'll see. We'll uh, we'll find out in a month's time. Indeed. Indeed. Well, let's move on to uh, another incredibly strong release and one that, at the time of the recording, uh, hasn't actually been out for that long. We've kind of listened to this one fairly quickly just to make sure we're ready. Classic Doctor's New Monsters 3, and we've been waiting a long time for this. Like, I, mm. The first two sets were both fantastic, and we've just wanted more ever since, and we've finally got it. Yeah. Um, so, Jay, you said it was your favourite of the month. So, you you go first. Tell us why. Classic Doctor's New Monsters Volume 1 was the second Big Finish audio I ever ordered from the Big Finish website. It has such a massive place in my heart. Both box sets with both very different reasons. And I've been waiting so, so long. And months of pestering poor David Richardson on Twitter begging for a volume three and when it is finally announced i was so thrilled but then i did i think i did see the monsters i was like oh not what i would have thought but saying that this was worth the wait it, it's back of a bang and i think the strongest point of this set was using lesser known monsters because it gave the writers such more um ability to delve into and explore them add new bits of lore and everything it was just more manoeuvrability in these creatures' laws, and it was so good. I enjoyed every story in this box set for all different reasons. We had the house that Hawks built. I love 3DAs. Everyone knows I love 3DAs. Not a, not a surprise. Tim Trillor and Sadie Miller are fantastic in it, and it felt like if Russell T. Davis wrote a third Doctor story. It was a little bit too long. It, it could have shaved down at least 20 minutes of it, but I love Tim Foley's writing, always have. Then we had the Tivolian who knew too much. Oh my God, I've never had such a ball with a story in my life. Dare I say, Tom's best performance in an audio. He was just in an element. Element. He was so good. And put, and put in the Tivoli with a character like Leela, was so clever. And I love Timble Felis. I want him back. I quite have happily had four Leela and Timble Felis as like a, a trio of, of characters in box sets. I loved it. Very good. And this Tom, the image of Tom running around Rome, what's not to love then? It was such a clever story, in my opinion, having a rogue to know Lee was like a mobster. Very funny. It was a very funny story. Then we had the sixth Doctor story, What's Name Escapes Me. What was it called? Together in Eclectic Dreams. Which was also very good, because it left me thinking what was real and what was not. Colin was very good. You're dreaming, it? Jay. I am. It's all a dream. And I loved his, his 
sort of one-off dream companion in it as well. I really quite liked it. I, 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 I've loved all the cast in all of these audios. I think they've all been phenomenal. What a strong set. Anyway, there we had the last story. The Eighth and Doctor story. Eighth, the Eighth and Doctor story. No, the Eighth Doctor and Charlie story, which was called... If I Should Die in... Before I Wake. Yep, that's the one. And that is also very good. I love the Eighth Doctor and Charlie. I love the box earlier in the year. This is also very good because it was the complete opposite of the other Dream Crab story, whereas we sort of knew what was going on, but it's basically just Paul McGann into your fisher talking to themselves for a whole hour. So, so good. A great box set. I think this is worth the wait. I couldn't be more thrilled with a box. I was not disappointed with it at all. And give me that Seventh Doctor story versus The Silence immediately. I am so excited for the next box set. Let's make it October 2023. Actually, don't, because I'll miss the new 3DA. Never mind. Is that how long it is till it comes out? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty Well done to everyone involved. I'm, I can't be, and, and it's so good having companions in it now because they get to experience these monsters as well. But yeah, I'm going to go on a massive tangent. But yeah, very good. I'm so thrilled it's back. Biggest smile on my face listening to that box set. And I think the Tivoli that. Blah, 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 blah. Cut that. The Tivoli and that knew too much was such a perfect day on the day that a perfect audio to listen to after losing Bernard Cribbins because it really cheered me up with how funny it was. So, yes, 10 out of 10. I don't give them out very often. It, it really was a very, very strong set and it was a lot of fun. And it's, it's nice that we get the variety in Doctors and Companions as well as Monsters. Um, and it I do like the focus on you know lesser considered monsters. Um, it it would have been fairly obvious, I suppose, to go for well some of the stuff we've had in the past, the angels and the Ragnos and you know big monsters that you remember. But yeah, the dream crabs. We got two episodes out of them, completely different to the first appearance on TV and completely different to each other. Uh, and it is proof that any kind of Doctor Who monster can be quite versatile, I suppose. Uh, Tom, your thoughts? You're all right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, it, it's uh, It probably is my least favourite set of the uh, month. I mean, I mean well, let, let's start. It's my first uh, classic Doctor's New Monsters um, set, uh, as it were. Uh, so this is my first foray into seeing classic Doctors of New Monsters, which is so exciting. But um, <laughs> it, it's a set of two hours for me. I mean, like, the Dream Crow episodes I loved, and I'm going to go into them in a second. The first two were fine. I, I think if I was in, I think I probably wasn't in the mood, maybe. For, I, I don't think it was necessarily something the stories themselves had done. I just wasn't in the mood for... I guess light and breezy, and they were quite light and breezy um, experiences. You know that, like the the house that Hawks built, it's a it's a very gentle uh, piece. You know, it's got it's riffing in a lot of horror, you know, tropes and something like that. It's sort of a it's the third Doctor in a haunted house, and that's the the story for seventy minutes, and it's and it's fine for what it is. I imagine. If I was in, um, you know, like, for instance, when I listen to the uh, Ice Warrior story from the second Doctor set, there's a lot of similarities, I guess, in the the vibe of the two. Um, but when I was listening to the the Ice Warrior story, it was a nice sunny day, you know, it was when it, we had the heat wave and everything, so I was, I was on a nice long two-hour walk, you know, I was vibing. Whereas, you know, the House Ox built, I don't know, it's, it's a bit... It's a bit grey now, so I think I just wasn't maybe in the mood for as much for um, uh, that sort of diversion. And the same with the uh, Trevelyan story. Again, like, it was fine, you know. I mean, the di- obviously it was Valentine, so the dialogue was spot on. There was a, <laughs> there was a really great line by uh, Leela. Uh, what are the Trevelyans good for then other than being annoying? Um, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, very a great line. There's just so many great lines with the Trevelyan. There's um, one. Can I say what my favourite line in it was? It was in it quickly. There's a line in it where Timbal Felix goes, "I'm just going to lie down in this corner 
and have a nice long panic attack. Of, like, yeah, yeah, that was hilarious. And also, like, the, you know, like that, I always look for a, a backdoor so entrance, the first thing I do, and, you know, no offense and none take sort of thing. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of fun comedy. I just think I wasn't in the. I think I was just looking for something a bit deeper, which I feel I then got with the um, the two Dreamcore episodes, and I thought they were. There's a story um, for everyone in that box. Yeah, exactly. I think I think it did. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it certainly, it's it, it's hard to say that I didn't enjoy my experience with the set because I loved the second two stories. Um, I think. Uh, off the bat, I think Maori is such for just being a one episode companion. She's built up so well. She's so they add so much richness to that character. I feel um, for what they didn't need to, but I think she really does feel at the heart of the piece. Like you've got the from even before the title title sequence, you've got the they set up the conflict of her. You know, they, they basically spell it out that she is a fake companion because then you've got began sort of with her and all that sort of thing and I think it um yeah it just sets it up really well I just think the story in Je- Colin's really great in this um he's really I add yeah, he's just on top form I love his interactions with the eighth doctor um it's all just really tightly written it's um it's quite similar to last Christmas I think this first story but I think that's necessary to then highlight the differences in the second story because um, even though they're not, re- it's not really a two-parter. Um, it they do really go well together as a pair, I think. Because um, obviously, this this the first story does slightly link into the second story, but not as much as you. Um, you know, it's it's not like a full on two-parter. But I think I think it definitely does work. That this sets up the dream crabs and what it does in quite a a natural way. It's got a bit of Inception. It's got a bit of you know, like the eighth doctor's acting like the Santa Claus figure sort of thing. That all works really well. Um, and then you've got the fourth story, which is just so good. I love that story so much. It's a two-hander being put between Paul McGann and India Fisher, and they are just excellent. Um, um, it's a, quite um, it's a really funny story. Uh, it sort of incorporates the best of, because it's obviously a, a co-written piece. Between, it's not co-written, but um, it's Jack uh, Rayner's idea, and then it's been adapted by John Donnick, because I think she um, didn't have time because of Waterworlds or something like that. Um, but I think you've get you've got a really strong core concept and some, like, I guess just great uh, situations, you know, they're very Jack Rayner, but then you've also got the really tight plotting and just character eye for character moments that John Dorney has and there's some wonderful A and Charlie interactions in this um, they're one of my favourite pairings as is and I think they really uh, just nailed it in this episode like this is definitely I, I adored the Fair Adventure S box early in the year but this story blew that out of the water it was just such a great use of the pairing um yeah, it's just, it's funny, it's exciting, it's got a really bittersweet ending. I especially love the final sentiments between the two characters about um, how, like, they talk about how they're not characters and that their futures are limited because, of course, it's their destiny and it is actually written out. It was written out in The the Girl Who um, Died or whatever. Um, but, so I think it's just, it does feel really bittersweet. And it just, yeah, it just really struck a strong chord with me, the story. Um, it's so intimate, and yeah, it was really impressed me. And it, it sort of just, the, the last two stories really, uh, yeah, were just my thing. And, I'm, I, and I sort of knew that was going to be the case anyway. Like they're the re- It's the reason why I bought uh, the set anyway, because I just thought they both sounded great, and they didn't let me down. So I really can't complain with the box set, because that last pair of stories was really decent and I'm sure when it's uh, I'll come round to the other two stories again at a later date and I'll probably get a better experience out of them when I'm in a more you know, when I'm in a more chill mood I guess I um, I quite like the fact actually that the set kind of, it, it floats between sort of tones and types of story and we've not just got four stories where you know, it does what it says on the tin classic Doctor's New Monsters 
it's we've got the comedy we've got the sort of rtd style horror and then we've got the more sort of cerebral dream crab stuff in the final two and even as i've said already those two managed to be very very different um and yeah it's great to hear the eighth doctor and charlie together again it's we've got quite a bit lately and i quite like that because they're such an iconic pairing um i had just one sort of little anecdote from when i was listening to uh the tavolian who knew too much there's a great bit where they're all in danger and uh timble phoebus kind of phones his therapist and for the first time ever in a big finish i've had to rewind and listen to a little bit again because he comes off the phone to his therapist and the doctor says something that sounds an awful lot like oh for sake (laughs) (laughs) i had to go i couldn't actually pick up what the doctor said but it really sounded like that he just sounded like he was sort of swearing at the alien phoning its therapist um which did make me chuckle. Like I said, I didn't actually manage to pick up the uh, the actual line, but I'm assuming it's not a swear word. Um, but I'm yeah. hoping it is. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was a very, very fun set. A very enjoyable sort of exploring different ideas and genres and using uh, existing aliens and monsters in an interesting an enjoyable way and i'm i'm looking forward to the next one i i don't Absolutely. know why i really don't know why big finish haven't used the silence a little bit more they use them very very effectively in uh the unit new series unit new series but uh that's that's all we've had as far as i'm aware so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to the silence coming back i really do think there's plenty of interesting ground to be explored there um so, question for each of you then. Oh. I know. Um, and J- well, Jay kind of requested that I included yeah. this. I think it's a great idea. So imagine you are putting together the idea for a new classic Doctor's New Monsters box set. What pairings would you do and why? You go first, Jay. Are you listening, David? You've got your pen and paper ready. Right. Uh, well, ever since this second one, it was always the fourth Doctor and Silence. Well, put that on the back burner for now, because we're getting the Silence of McCoy and McGann. But you could do the fifth Doctor, the Pyrovals from Fires of Pompeii. That's something I'd really like to see. And then that Reddit leak, we had um, the second Doctor and Time Reapers, even though it's a, it's a bunch of old nonsense Leak, leak inverted commas, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second Doctor, the Reapers, and Father. So we could do a two-part with that. Have six be Troughton against the Time Reapers, and Time War eight against the Time Reapers, and have them connected. Sort of like the Vast and the Rada story from Box Set Two. You could have, I don't know, the sixth Doctor, the Absorber Loft. That'd be quite a fun, amusing one to listen to. Uh, and then, and just last night, I was thinking about the Plasmavores from Smith and Jones. Just imagine, like the seventh Doctor fighting a a group of plasma like because the whole idea of plasma balls is they're being hunted everywhere everyone's hunting them it's like he comes across a group of really desperate plasma sort of thing like last day mccoy not season 24 mccoy and then also i had no idea it's completely escaped my head that's really annoying oh yeah the first doctor in the maya from that really bad viking series nine two-parter because the doctor did say that he's met the maya before so I thought that would be quite interesting to see. Perhaps put him with Hartnell, well, not Hartnell, obviously, Noonan or Michael Troughton. And then, but then again, I'm not opposed to reusing monsters from previous sets either. I'd really like to see the first Doctor meet the Weeping Angels, for example. What was the Doctor's first encounter of the Weeping Angels like? What happened? But then again, the fourth Doctor story we're getting soon could be their first encounter. But anyway... I love it. They're, they're my suggestions. So if you want to use them, David, I'll give you my PayPal. Lovely. I, I, I get the impression that you're kind of willing these into manifestation, sort yeah. of oh, over the three doctors. I love that one actually. That's just popped into my head. When they get the license to the Jody monsters, using the Fajarians of Seven. Ooh, that's interesting. You know, 
the monsters from Demons of the Punjab, the assassins. Mm. I think yeah. Seven and them would be a really good um, pairing. So them and Seven trying to out-manipulate each other. That's about that's classic monsters phones five to eight side. Yeah. Nine so now we've five. got now we've got another sort of four volumes in the bag. Uh, Tom, what good. would you put into volume nine? Uh, wait, I was about to say for volume nine. Uh, well, I'd for, completely forgot about this. So I'm just looking at the uh, the monsters page. So uh, obviously we've got to have the third Doctor versus Lord Sutcliffe, the racist from Thin Ice, because you know I think Doctor Who punching racist, kicking racist. You know, it's it's a uh, it's 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 a vibe. You know, I think I think it's a uh, what could go wrong with that. Um, we've got the Fajarans, obviously that Jay mentioned, and um, you'd have to be quite sensitive, I think. Because uh, obviously they they link in to um, uh, the story quite well, and they you know they use the metaphor. But I think they definitely you definitely could show them as the the warlike race they were. Uh, you've got the creatures of the anti zone from it takes you away. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good shout cool actually. Design. That dude, he, he could do something. I don't. I don't, I don't Obviously, you'd probably have to do it a bit Hoxabaloony, where it's just a different person race. But I think you could definitely do stories set in the Antisone. And then also, let's have, I don't know, I'm just picking random. Let's have, um, let's have the Sandmen. Let's have, yeah, because no more, Sleep No More is great. And I love it. So let's just have, in fact, yeah, let's just have box set full of series nine monsters like the the morax was great the fisher king rest in peace it was great um even have the cat people from series nine just so many monsters. or even the cat nuns from series two yeah it could be called cat fight exactly. oh with colin it's gotta be colin colin's cat yeah, fight badge <laughs> colin's <laughs> you have the remnants that, that you know the 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 dish rags from the ghost monument everyone's uh, favorite monster the, the first doctor versus the dish rags you know You'll be we uh, i can't remember the name of the race but we need to see more of sort of tim shaw's race uh, don't we they're supposedly yeah like the a stenza big... you know stenza like... thank you who are, you know, Tom Bate, the fourth dot versus the Stenza. And, yeah. Big and horrible and warlike. and Yeah. That's true, actually. Um, and, yeah, that could be quite fun. That would be good. I agree with you, though, that um, Series 9 sort of has a lot of monsters with sort of decent return potential. So, yeah, I reckon that is all we have got time for. It has been a rather excellent month, though. Um, I've really enjoyed my big finish this month. Rolling August. I'm looking forward to talking about what we listened to over August from British. Uh, anyhow, we shall leave it there. So I will say, I will say thank you and goodbye to Jay. Bye. And thank you and goodbye to Tom. Goodbye. And uh, goodbye from me, Johnston, as well. Goodbye. Goodbye.